Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code POETRY at checkout. A better web starts with your website. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 65, and we're recording on Thursday, August 7th. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Amanda Nelson. We're the editors of BookRiot.com. You're back for a second week. It's so I nice am. to have you back. Rebecca won't stay put, I guess. I know. She moves around. <laughs> Do you remember those? I don't remember what they were. Expedia or Travelocity, that little traveling gnome guy? Yes. Yeah, that's that's. it's like a, she's a ginger version of that little traveling gnome guy right now, moving all around. Um Actually, quite a bit of news this week, so we won't do too much follow-up. Um, last week, we neglected to mention um, in our discussion of the study of who gets embarrassed reading what and why, um, that that study was actually performed by Better World Books. So uh, I was remiss to mention that. I thought I would remedy that right away. So thanks so much to Better World Books for doing the survey and sending it along for us to talk about. Another quick bit of um, follow-up. Uh, we talked, Rebecca and I talked a few weeks ago about a merger between Perseus Books and Hachette and Ingram, mm-hmm. all kind of coalescing into one centaur of, uh, <laughs> of publishing and distribution. I got word today that that deal fell apart. Yeah. Um, so I don't know more details than that. It was supposed to happen by the end of July in the announcement, and it didn't. And I guess the deal is dead. So uh, on that show, Rebecca and I had sort of wondered if Hachette was trying to muster its forces and get a little bit bigger for negotiating power with Amazon. For whatever reason, that didn't happen. Um, I think that's a stay tuned story. I don't know that's over. I think it is over between those parties, but Perseus might become a part of something else, or maybe someone's going to acquire Ingram or or, or something else of that nature. So um, just do, I thought I'd do a follow-up there. So let's do our first sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to do a beautiful, simple, and easy-to-maintain website, gallery, online portfolio store. Um, For a free trial and 10% off your order, go to squarespace.com and enter the offer code POETRY. Drag and drop content. This is one thing I really like. So you can move the pieces around kind of like with the mouse so you can see where everything goes. Another thing that's great, not offered by free services. This is a premium service because it costs all of $8 a month. Oh, my gosh. Uh, 24-7 live chat customer support. Someone will be there to help you figure out what's going on if you've got a problem. Both Amanda and I, we used to use – you were on Blogger, right? Yes. Back in the day? Mm-hmm. Um, if you had a problem, who would you uh, ask about help? Google. Yeah, ask Google. <laughs> uh, hey, Google, what's going on? Um, but th- with Squarespace, they realize that they're charging a premium price, they're giving a premium product, and you need premium customer, su- 
customer support. So that's a really nice thing. So if you're new to the web, you're new to your own website, you've got something you want to do, it's nice to know that there's someone there when you're up at 1130 on Friday night trying to figure something out. Um, another nice thing, plans start at $8 a month. And if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name. So um, if you want to, uh, if you want to do just ship it.org, and you've got that and you and you want that and it's available and you do a year of Squarespace, you can get that thrown in for free and do all your domain hosting through Squarespace, which is super easy. Uh, one nice thing too, this day and age when we have iPads and phones and tablets and big computers at the desk and laptops and so on and so forth, people are looking at your website with a bunch of different size screens and website in their ready-made templates that you can customize on your own. They're all responsive, which means they look great on all size screens. So that's something that a blogger is not great about. Another the WordPress ones aren't great about either. So this is another feature you get. Also, if you're going to sell something, maybe you're a self-published author or just a regular published author and you have stuff to sell, books or physical goods or music or whatever, they have an online component that's built in and included with your $8 a month. They can do payment processing. You can process orders um, and do everything you need to do to have uh, a little or a big online commerce experience. So that's squarespace.com. Use offer code POETRY at checkout, and that'll get you a free trial and then 10% off when you make an order. So thanks so much to Squarespace for sponsoring the show. Should we, start, like, we always start with Amazon. Let's, let's, should we get them out of the way? <laughs> Sure. Maybe we should have like a, the, the Amazon part of the, wow, the podcast. Wow, you just came up with that right on the spot. Well, I sit the around Amazon. thinking of stuff uh, to make <laughs> it. It's it's hard to make um, spontaneity sound spontaneous when you study sit around and trying to think of stuff all day. But I, did I pull it off? It sounded spontaneous. Didn't you did. It was good. Okay. Uh, so the I don't know how big is this big news. I can't tell. This yes. first thing. You think it's big news. Okay. Yes. So Google and Barnes and Noble sitting in a tree fighting AMAZON <laughs> basically right here is going on. Um, they're teaming up to basically challenge Amazon's cheap, fast book delivery. So one thing that Barnes and Noble has is books. And one thing Google is really getting into is same day, next day, cheap delivery. So you know what? Guess where um, they both are fighting on the same front? It's kind of like the French and the British getting together. Like, they don't really want to, but you know what? They got the Germans over there. That may not be a fair comparison. Sorry, no. Amazon. But, <laughs> but, but unlikely allies to some degree. Um, fighting a common enemy. And so far, it's going to be in West Hollywood, I guess. Uh, excuse me, West L.A., New York and one other place. I don't know. San I can't Francisco. Remember. San Fr of course. I should have started with San Francisco <laughs> uh, to compete. So you can order through Google or Barnes and Noble, and uh, it's going to be there the next day or even same day. Same day. Same day. Same, same day, day deliveries, which is pretty cool. Um, do you think this is, does anyone do this? Do people care at this point? I care. If you, it comes care. here, I'll be all over it. You are. You are. Okay. Yes. And, and when, they, when it comes to the great state of uh, Virginia. Um, Indeed. <laughs> you're going to use this. So Amazon same-day service costs $5.99 for Prime members and $10 for others. So one thing Google and Barnes & Noble are doing for the first six months of the program, it's going to be free. Well, the delivery is not free. The delivery, I'm sorry, membership is free. Yeah. And then um, the delivery is $4.99. The delivery is $5 for, for if you're a member. Um, but I they're not saying how much the membership is going to cost after uh, the first six months. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> So they're going to lose a bunch of money on this to start, right? Like that's, I mean, Google's got nothing but money to throw around. So I'm not surprised that they're going to try to undercut um, 
uh, Amazon to that degree. Oh, I don't get it here in Brooklyn. It's just Manhattan. Well, that's a bummer. They won't come over the bridge. Well, it said they, they have plans to expand to Brooklyn and Queens, but it doesn't say when. It doesn't say when. Of course they have plans to expand. I mean, that's what Google always has, plans to expand. <laughs> uh, so over Google, Barnes & Noble stores have 22,000 to 163,000 titles, depending on the store size. Uh, huh. So it has to be a book that the store actually has. I guess I didn't really put that together, unlike Amazon, which is basically their whole catalog. Um, so I guess if you are – I guess I'm trying to figure out who this is going to convert, right? Well, it, hmm. well, it might convert – actually, now that I'm thinking about it, this might not be so great. It might convert people who would go to an indie instead. Because the thing about That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Like, so the thing about Amazon is people don't want to shop there because of whatever. Like, mm-hmm. they're qualms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to indies because of qualms. Mm-hmm. But then if you can, now you have an option to get the book same day without having to go anywhere. Why would you not do that? Right. Instead of leaving and going to an independent bookstore. So maybe, maybe I'm not excited about this. I don't know. <sighs> what I'm trying to figure out is, so... The people who hate Amazon, because if you don't have Amazon, why would you do Barnes & Noble plus Google when Amazon's already built in and ready and it doesn't matter where you are? Because I guess it'll be a little bit cheaper, but other than that, I'm not really sure. Um, I, I, I would think that one thing that's happened in Barnes & Noble is now the little guy. Kind of, They're kind of on the, it's Amazon versus the world. So it's like Barnes & Noble is that much different in a lot of people's minds than independent bookstores. So I think what you're saying is kind of right that... If you're inclined to shop locally, do people include Barnes & Noble in that anymore? I don't in my brain. But yeah. I don't know if that – I mean, that's totally subjective. Right. Shop locally to me is like a locally hipster in a plaid business. shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, locally grown pros. Exactly. Um, That'd so be a nice I, name for a bookstore. Yeah, <laughs> would be bad. <laughs> um, so I, I'm not sure. I think it makes sense for both companies to try it. But I don't know, like, what consumers going to be like, you know, now that I really hate Amazon, but Barnes & Noble, my shining white knight, I'm going to come in and use that. So, Well, it's cheaper. It is cheaper. I guess first. it is cheaper. It is cheaper. It is cheaper at first. Five bucks. Um, though, so if you have Amazon Prime, it's $6. And, I mean, I don't hmm. have Prime. Yeah. Although okay. it says, like, you can't. Barnes & Noble is not processing the orders on its own website. So do you have to go to some other website that's not Barnes & Noble? I think you go to Google. Oh. Just Google. Just the whole thing. That's not going to happen. No, I don't think so. You go to Google (laughs) Shopping. And I don't really know. I should have done a tester. Well, no, it's not available yet. Um, And not in Brooklyn. And you you can't get it. And I can't get it. So that test would have been... Uh, inconclusive at mm-hmm. best, I would say, for the efficacy of the program. So I guess wonder what. Hmm. If you could go to Barnes and Noble's actual website yeah. and do it, that would be cool. But mm, not as excited as I was. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's some combination of Google and Barnes and Noble that could fight Amazon Books directly. Like, what would they have to do? It, it would really just be price, right? Yeah, totally. That's the uh, only reason people shop at Amazon. Right. They're not brand loyal to no, Amazon. No, no. And it's like hardbacks and paperbacks have been commoditized. I mean, you can get the same books essentially at Barnes & Noble. Um, so if you competed on price, I guess it's just if they could bring the price down and make shipping faster, I guess. Yeah. 
I guess that's how it all, all would take. Maybe Google should just buy Barnes and Noble. They've got oh, the that's money. that's interesting. Just buy the whole thing. Uh, they, they have physical stores. Are people less nervous about Google than they are about Amazon? No, I don't. Uh, I think, I mean, a lot of us use Google. We have Gmail. Like, it's yeah. super handy. So it's not like it's not like eating mom and pop search engines, you know. No. So there's not really any equivalent. Well, in um, my brain, Amazon versus Google is like Godzilla and Mothra. Yeah. So like, right. there's no happy alternative right. to that. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I guess the thing would be that Google is just in a different business, and so maybe their, you know, th- their business is not selling stuff cheaply their business is doing advertising and payment processing so maybe they wouldn't be so hard on publishers and authors i guess i don't really know mm. it's not like google's going to come to the rescue of independent bookstores if that's what you care about yeah. um anyway so that's the big news that's definitely something to keep an eye on um i wonder what i'm sure google could buy barnes and noble for a song if they just like woke up and thought of it one day it wouldn't cost them anything or what if they just bought the nook stuff well, they've already got Android, so I don't know why they would need the Nook. I don't maybe know. I just, just want the, somebody maybe to just t- the store, maybe like the the Nook like app and ecosystem and store. That'd be interesting. Yeah, I just want someone to take it and make it not <laughs> yeah. what it is now. Yeah, I know someone someone does need to take take the Nook under its wing. Um, all right. So then the other Amazon news this week. It's not really news. It's just it's, funny. <laughs> James Patterson, bless his heart. Um, it's funny to say bless his heart to the richest author in North America. <laughs> I mean, it's very, it's very, it's very big. It's also me. very Southern of you. Bless it is. Heart. Yeah, bless his heart. James Patterson, who is by all accounts, I think every, you know, most years that, um, a Harry Potter book hasn't come out. He is the number one earning author in just gross sales because he doesn't actually write a lot of his books. It's like Jeff Patterson with David, whoever, who actually <laughs> did the writing, but James Patterson, and we've talked about him before, probably second only to uh, Harper Lee in the number of mentions by name, James Patterson, um, continues to uh, brandish this shield of protecting the publishing industry as he knows it. So he writes this weird op-ed in CNN, for CNN pretending that he's Jeff Bezos and what he would do were he Jeff Bezos. And could you tell what he would do? Be less Jeff. Yeah, be but be Jeff Bezos, but less so. I can't. It just, like <laughs> I don't even know where to start with how weird this letter is. Yeah. Hmm. It's like like just the language about like the importance of books to humanity's salvation and all of this stuff that he's saying is. It's so interesting. I mean. I guess one thing that occurred to me while I was thinking about it, because we'd put it in the show notes, and I was thinking about what are we going to say about this. What occurs to me is that James Patterson, since he is the most profitable author, has the most to lose in the status quo of publishing changing radically, right? If he's if he's the king of the hill, you don't want the hill to change. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, he's got he's in a good spot. So even if his hill sort of fell apart, he's still got... I don't know, like his yeah, maybe hoard so. of gold. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess I, I just wonder, and his thinking about it, like this world that he's protecting has been so good to him. So of course he's going to protect it. Yeah. So, it, but it's, he also it, seems to really drink his own Kool Aid, sort of a thing. Like, how yeah, he, he talks about how. Well, first he says that Bezos is doing Bezos. I always say it wrong. Yeah, it's whatever. Whatever. Jeff is doing mm-hmm. holy work. Like he literally calls 
what Amazon is doing with its book selling. Holy work. That is odd. Yes. And he seems like he really means it. Or is that him as Jeff? It's kind of weird because he like, he weaves in and out of like, if I were him and now I am him saying this and now I'm not, it just, I don't know. Well, he's uh, saying here is where I, Jeff, whatever, however you (laughs) say his last name, Mm -hmm. remind the world that, you know, Amazon came out of a book was an online bookstore and we are responsible for getting millions of books into people's hands. And that is holy work. We are saving humanity, except for, and then he continues all these ways in which Amazon is. Yeah, I think that's James Patterson attributing the holiness of bookselling to the industry of bookselling. Not, I don't know, that's weird. I think that's weird. Because I I think it's important to remember that I don't think Bezos was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to get books into millions of people's hands that don't have them right now. No. He, He saw an opportunity and he gave him credit. He, 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 kick butt man like he's like we could do this cheaper there's no reason it has to be so expensive uh and there's no reason that people are limited by the the books their local store happens to have when they're available all over the world we just need to ship them to people well what he's trying to do is make make it make jeff into this sort of person he can reason with yes you know but you can't do that if jeff doesn't care about the morality of what he's doing. Yeah, right, yeah. Like, but he so doesn't. Here's the nut. He's, uh, Patterson says, so here's the headline, and not just for Washington Post readers, which is an aside because Bezos now personally owns the Washington Post. <laughs> Today I'm going to stop leaning on book publishers. I'm going to stop branching Amazon's market share as a corrective cudgel. They need a little remonstrative pressure, but now it's gone too far, and they are doing all that embattled higher organisms do. They are joining forces against a common, though as they will soon see, inaccurately perceived enemy. Random House buys Penguin. Hachette absorbs Perseus. That's not up. That's not happening. Trust me, if I wanted to disarmate their old-fashioned carcasses, I, Jeff Bezos, would have done so already. I think that's all bogus. I think he's yeah, got this completely wrong. Yeah. But I'm not here to exterminate them. I'm here to improve them. No, he's no, not. No, he's not. He gives yeah. no cares. No, he doesn't give any cares. No like, cares given. I said in a show a couple weeks ago with Rebecca, I don't know that Amazon is necessarily interested in killing publishing. I think they're interested in killing print Yeah. Um, because digital goods are so much easier to distribute. And Amazon would like nothing better than just to move pixels and, and ones and zeros around and charge prices for them. Um, they're already one of the number one biggest providers of internet hosting at all, so they're really good at moving data around. Um, if publishers go in that process, I think they don't care. If they stick around and they they get to be 80% of book sales because they're moving pixels around and movies and music um, and other widgets, I think they don't care. Um, publishers are nothing to them except, you know, some sort of vestige of what is and whether or not they're part of the future is, is remains to be seen. Who is this written for? Uh, CNN. CNN people. Re- readers, I guess. I don't know. I think he's trying to convert people into, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Hating not liking Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So the, the way to argue against Amazon is to make it a moral issue, I guess. I mean, that's what people say. One that Amazon's not concerned with. Yeah, I, I guess. So you're trying to slightest. win the hearts and minds of uh, book buyers, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess so. I don't know. It's very odd. A very, 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 very odd position. It's just so weird. Like, he's putting words about the greatness of literature and all of this into uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, I cannot say his name. It's all right. It's all, it's all right. We're all friends here. It's his mouth that he has never said and does not believe. 
Yeah, it's kind of nope. like a, it's like a failed Socratic method. It's like you believe this, don't you? Yeah, and no. And the answer is no. And then no. it's like womp womp. <laughs> I don't know. It's so bad. Um, so that's 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 Jimmy Patterson. But he, I give I, again, I give him credit for. It. He is out there all the time trying to do stuff. Um, and I, I don't know that it's going to matter especially, but he he certainly puts his mouth where his money is. Um, I like so this dig at the end where he says that uh, as Jeff Bezos, he's going to give new names to the Kindle and the Fire because they sound too much like something out of Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> what? I <laughs> <laughs> so weird. No, James. No. No, that's, yeah, that's a that's a stretch too far. Um, okay, let's do a happy. This is well, it's not really happy. This isn't a happy story. No, it's not happy. It's a. So I want to try to get through this without weeping uncontrollably. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, Go for it. So a young girl, Cassidy Stay. Um, there's no other way to say this. Uh, her her parents and siblings were killed in a shooting. And she survived it. Yeah. Um, and apparently she's a huge Harry Potter fan and quoted Harry Potter at their funeral. This made its way back to J.K. herself. Um, and J.K. wrote a letter to her in the voice of Dumbledore, as Dumbledore, um, to give her some words of comfort. And the, the letter itself hasn't been made public, but that it actually happened is all we know. Uh, which I think... J.K. may be the coolest, most interesting author out there to me for just a lot of reasons. She, like, cares and she tries stuff um, and her backstory and the imagination and just the whole shooting match. She's just, like, super amazing. Um, and I guess I guess you're not surprised. She, you're not, you're not, of all the authors we could have heard of doing this, you're not surprised it was J.K., are you? No, no, not at all. So I don't even know what else to say about that story. There's nothing she sent her a wand and an acceptance letter to Her- to Hogwarts. Oh man! And a signed book. Uh, Way to go! I mean, mm. sort of in, in that situation, you know. Yeah. What else is she going to say? So right. anyway, um, I, that that's uh, J.K. is our hero of the week. We like to do hero of the week. We can. I don't think that uh, there's much debate about that one. So, yeah. um, good good feel good story about a terrible terrible situation. All right. Um, another interesting one. So the New York Public Library, we've talked before on the show, uh, the the reading room at the New York Public Library is going to be under construction, knowing public works projects in New York City um, well until to the 24th century. So in the meantime, they've opened an outdoor reading room, which as far as I can tell is a, is a huge series of tables out in Bryant Park behind um, – the library here in Man- here in Manhattan, not in Manhattan, but here in New York <laughs> City, um, where they're going to have the librarians at desks and places where people can just come sit down. Um, they're going to have some mobile bookshelves where you can browse a few. It looks like new releases and fiction and kind of you know the most browsable of titles. Free um, Wi-Fi. Oh, I didn't see that part. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, so join unusual reading spots all over the city. This is cool for summertime. I think this is great. This looks really, it's a beautiful park if you've ever, if you've never been to New York Public Library here in New York City. It's at 42nd and 6th Avenue. Um, it's got a great park behind it. Uh, and it just, the pictures, I just want to hang out here. Yeah, it looks really nice. I mean, in all fairness, it's just, it's just a couple of, it's a few giant tables in a row that you can come sit at. 
but I think the spirit of it is really cool. So the pictures you have people using their laptops and they're doing homework and reading books and just kind of hanging out. I just like the the librarian spirit behind it of like, oh, we're depriving people of a reading room, so we have to give them something else. Like, <laughs> I know. The reading know. room must be saved yeah. in some fashion. And, well, I think it's so great. It Librarians is interesting, too, because Bryant Park, it does have a lot of tables and chairs out there. So some of it is more like psychological to reframe it as a reading space rather than just sort of a hangout outside space, which is what it is. And some of it is having sort of librarian like chairs and the big like wood tables that you would find at an old library and a librarian there can ask questions. You can go, I don't know. I mean, can you check out books right there? I can't really tell from what they're doing here. I can't Um, tell from the picture. So, and they're also doing a thing. Um, if you happen to be on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest, uh, if you if you take a picture of yourself um, reading somewhere unusual and tag it with um, "I read everywhere," um, then you can see where people are reading unusually. The so, comments are my favorite. I just have to. I have to for a second. Oh yeah. So right. there's not going to be any air conditioning. Well, you are outdoors. <laughs> There, won't will there the be librarians loud traffic keep, from Fifth Avenue? Yeah. Will yes. the librarians keep away the homeless people and the pigeons? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that is the librarian's job. You know. Wow. Is that a thing people complain about when they read outside in general? Like, desperate, desperate pandering, they say. Desperate pandering. And much too noisy. You just can't even say the words desperate pandering without putting your nose up in the air a little bit. Desperate pandering. <laughs> it does seem. I mean, that's that's as dismissive as a statement as your life. Much too noisy. Up. Like like a ninety year old rich lady saying like, much too noisy. What about the pigeons? Whatever shall we do? <laughs> Heavens! Oh dear. <laughs> I think it looks great. I, I think it's, it's a, awesome. It's a great idea, and I think it would be cool for just libraries that aren't undergoing renovations to like partner with local parks or whatever to. Um, have some communal rating spaces outside. We've had a wonderful August in New York uh, in July. It's been absolutely beautiful. Uh, I do think it'll be less attractive in late August when it's 96 degrees and a jillion degrees outside. But you know what? <laughs> at least you'll be at a reading table. I think we're seeing more of this. I remember I read something this morning about, uh, I think it was in Ohio, a library in Ohio that started a, uh, not a, a book, uh, not a bookmobile, but a book bike. Yes. Like with a cart in the back and they yes. just rode around the neighborhood with uh, bikes, I mean, uh, books attached to their bike. My library in my city just started doing bookmobiles to the, all the farmer's markets on Saturdays, which that is really is cool. That is so smart. Yeah. Smart. The only thing smarter would be for a bookstore to do that. Because those <laughs> are people, no, I'm serious. Like, those are the yeah. people that are willing to pay premium prices for heirloom tomatoes. That, I mean, they'll overpay for midlist offers. They'll pay, they'll pay retail for midlist. And there are so many kids at yeah. the farmer's market oh, all the yeah. time. You could do like story times. You'd sell so many children's. Or books. even if you, and maybe if you had like even um, like portable tables, like you could you could you know pop them out and let people sit down. That's one thing about farmers markets. In my experience, there's never anywhere to sit. Maybe that's just New York, but there, it's no, not super. No, keen, right. There's not super great places to like eat the cider donut I just bought for the express <laughs> purpose of eating it right this moment. Um, so maybe maybe that would work. Maybe we should have a book riot bookmobile. That would be cool. Who would drive it? Uh, well, Maybe Rita. We could get Rita to drive it. <laughs> I don't know. Who would drive it? No idea. No, Rita's pretty. Yeah. I mean, and she's a librarian. And she knows what she's doing. She, knows she also drives doing. in New York, which is, uh, oh. you know, you got to have some, some uh, chops to be able to do that. We could, take it, we could take it to farmer's markets. We could take it to, like, those outdoor movies they have at night. 
just yeah. any, all over the city. We could sell, we could sell some people, some books and like, just have like, maybe just like a, like a super, um, cut down list. Like here are the 10 books we're super excited about right now. And that's it. And that would could, be, a, you could do a book bike with just 10. Uh, you wouldn't even need a whole mobile. Mm-hmm. But I want the mobile. What would I, what do I, <laughs> but how, many I do I have, how many do I have to have the full mobile experience? 12? Mm-hmm. 12 titles. Oh, no, I don't know. I mean, we've seen the penguin truck. Yeah. And that's, that's more than 12. And I, I could probably serve coffee out of that, too, just regular drip coffee. Coffee and books. Who doesn't like this idea? I'm going to franchise this. Do Uber, I? but for bookstores. <laughs> um, all right. So libraries are doing awesome things. Yeah, li- sorry. <laughs> I, I, I spun it out into uncontrollable fancy. Uh, all right, <laughs> let's do our next sponsor. Okay. Uh, Random House Audiobooks are back this week. Thank you for so much for sponsoring the show. So what Random House Audiobooks does is like, what they're trying to do is get people who either haven't tried audiobooks before, looking for new audiobooks to try, trying to figure out how audiobooks fit into their life. So go to tryaudiobooks.com. And one thing they do is like, they, they break down their suggestions by activity. So if you're gardening or knitting or exercising or on a road trip, you answer, you sort of follow a little decision tree and tell them what you're doing. And they'll give you some suggestions, how long the project is going to take, how long the book you'd like to be, how long your road trip is, um, how long your cross-country, cross-continent, cross-oceanic, <laughs> trans-oceanic is the word we use for that, flight is going to be. And they give you um, some suggestions. So you can listen to your favorite author, new bestseller, um, try something out in your daily life. Um, so Rebecca and I are always trying, we are always trying to think of new ways you can uh, listen to audiobooks. She says sometimes she listens to them in the shower, which that's a bridge too far for me. I've suggested <laughs> if, you're, if you go, if you watch baseball, it's horribly long and not much happens. So you could be listening to an audiobook, playing video games, paying the bills, cleaning the house. I like to do it when I'm cleaning the house. I like to do it. Um, when I, I like to listen to audiobooks when I'm doing the dishes, when I'm shopping. If you're in line at, uh, you're at the farmer's market. There you go. For example, you could be listening to an audiobook. I'm trying at the, do you, is your post office, are your post office lines interminably long? No. Is that something, Richard? Okay. Well, if you ever have the um, grim task of trying to <laughs> send a box in Brooklyn, New York at a post office, I recommend getting the audiobook of War and Peace. Um, <sighs> And then, and then once you get to the window, maybe you'll be done with it. Any other ideas for audiobook? You're, I am a big rev- fan of listening to audiobooks while I cook dinner. I like that. That's like my favorite. That fold laundry? Yeah, I don't do Could, laundry. Oh, see, I, I do the washing and, and Michelle does the folding. Um, and it turns out when you don't have to stand next to the machine while it's doing the washing. You don't. So, no, that's true. Um, so if you've got an idea... I think someone sent in video games. That was someone else's idea. They sent, if you've got an idea of something you do while you're listening um, to audiobooks, uh, let us know. Someone, I want, someone said in the wintertime they'd play a lot of board games and cards with their, with their family, and they'll put on an audiobook and play cards and have a cup of cider. And Aww, that's so nice. It's so, I mean, it must be hard, though, since you're two-dimensional in a Norman Rockwell painting to like <laughs> get the cards shuffled. But uh, otherwise, that sounds wonderful. How do you ever agree on something to listen to with another person? I think you need a benevolent dictator is what yeah. you need. 
Uh, no one in my house is benevolent, <laughs> so that would not work. <laughs> All dictators, non-benevolent. Um, so I don't know, maybe, I mean, you could probably find some that depends on the age of your family or um, your significant other or your friends or, or what have you. But maybe, I bet you could convince anyone to listen to Jim Dale's Harry Potter, something like that. I bet you could, I could bet you could talk people into that one. Mm. So go to tryaudiobooks.com for free downloads and for suggestions for all of your audiobook needs. Well, this is a story you found. Do you want to do, do you want to take this one? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So the number of print books in 2013 has uh, fallen. The number of print books produced by traditional publishers, yeah. I should say, uh, fell in 2013 by 1%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot when you get into like six figures, mm-hmm. I guess. So, uh, oh gosh, Bowker? I've Bowker, never had yeah, to Bowker. say that out loud I know, before. I know. Welcome to the podcasting. <laughs> I've never had to say Bowker out, out loud before. Um, but they did the survey, and um, in 2012, 309,000 books roughly were printed, and in 2013, 304,000 mm-hmm. were printed. So it went down a little bit. Yeah. Um, the number That's- of non-traditional print books in 2013 fell by 45%, but I don't know what that means. What is a non-traditional well, print book? It says attributed decline in non-traditional production to <clears throat> steep drop in the number of public domain reprint titles. I think what... Okay. I think oh. that what's happening is self-publishing, like Lulu and CreateSpace, they say. all those they, We once called these vanity press places. Now everyone's just doing digitally. So there's no reason to pay... Prices for small batch print books, which can be really expensive if you're so only these are just self-published. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah. self-published print books fell by forty-five percent, which That's makes sense, interesting. right? I mean, yeah. you, everyone's doing it digitally, so um, the resilience of print in traditional publishing is really remarkable. Um, and Rebecca and I like to talk about on the show kind of the counter narrative of books are going everywhere and digital is going is going to take everything, and there have been significant inroads by ebooks but the last year or two the change has been pretty i don't know control i mean pretty minor really all things considered so i I don't know how we can account for the fact that the the number actually i mean one percent is a fluctuation like that could be a date i mean that could just be random data scatter for all that we know yeah, um, that's true. But the breakdown is really interesting. So, it, you you know, the headline is, oh, the number of print books falls or whatever. But in reality, fiction output rose 1%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ones that went down. So it seems like what pulled this down was that business books fell 20%, religious books mm-hmm. fell 6%. Yeah. And that seems to be, oh, and YA, it looks like, dropped 1%. YA dropped 1%? Really? No, well, it says juvenile. I juvenile. Assume that's yeah, that that's what they mean. Yeah. Um, there's been huge inroads uh, for um, YA on digital. So it could be yeah. there was a spike and it's catching up a little bit too. Literature had an, inc- uh, an output increase of 22%. Mm-hmm. And music is up 24%. That's it's interesting. Very unusual. So just the, the number of literature titles and music titles that were printed kind of balanced out the, yeah. the fall in business and religious books. Mm. That's interesting. Um, Noted between 2002 and 2013, title output was up 41%. Wow. Hmm. Wow. And in the last six years, it's fluctuated. Wow, a lot. Okay, A lot. So, So, yeah, there's there's (laughs) quite a bit of spread there. Um, But that's that's another quiver in the arrow of those of us who are sort of saying, hold on, 
things are not as people are necessarily say they are. Um, the, the idea, I think it makes sense that the narrative people are either championing or afraid of is that digital is eating the world and no one reads anymore. <sighs> but the numbers don't really bear that out. There's some change, but... And you can't have... Both of those things can't be true. You can't say that right. e-books are taking over the planet and people aren't reading anymore. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, those e-books are being read by robots that Amazon <laughs> built. By my house plant? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. um, this is another, I think, maybe it's not... I don't know. I, I wonder if this next story is related to anything other than one thing One thing that Patterson said in that um I, Jeff Bezos piece that <laughs> was interesting was one thing that the traditional players are doing is adapting. They're, they're trying new things. They're, they're realizing that their life is on the line to some degree. And so they're doing things they never had to do before or never thought they wanted to do before or maybe even thought of doing before. And one thing they're doing is making money out of author tours and not just we're going to sell some books and those people who buy the books are going to talk about it and, oh, my God, we hope for word of mouth but actually making some honest-to-goodness, cold, hard American <laughs> currency off of big-name authors and having events with these big-name authors. So this is a piece that appeared in the Washington Post this week. I don't think we've talked about this on the show. Rebecca and I were um, emailing back and forth when we first saw the story about um, Jody Picot, who had a big-time event at the Mead Center in Southwest Washington, it was presented by Random House, her publisher, and Good Housekeeping. This thing is perfectly branded. I oh, say. They, yeah, they've got the the Bermuda Triangle of <laughs> people who want this. Um, you could for a, you get a buffet dinner, wine, chocolate tasting, live music, dancing, manicure, fashion show curated by Talbots. You get some Boom. swag, <laughs> an early copy signed by Pucot of her new book, Leaving Time, for. $95. That's not bad for well, a dinner. You, I was going to ask you what you thought of that price. I don't think it's bad at all. I mean, she's, so she's a big name. I think yeah. you know, she's one of those kind of celebrity, I think, authors. Yes. Um, she's a big name. I assume that, you know, you meet her, you get a dinner, although it's a buffet, but whatever. You get a dinner sure. and a show with dancing and all of that. A fashion show. That's, yeah, that's 95 bucks worth of mm-hmm. stuff. It doesn't say how many people... It's well. It said tickets are still on sale, so I don't think it's happened yet. Yeah, no, but I wonder well, how many like s- tickets are like how many people are, could you expect to go to this thing? Oh yeah. I well, five hundred people paid one hundred and fifty dollars to go to the Outlander. Yeah, Diana Gawaldon's event in thing Seattle. In Seattle. Yeah. yeah, the Outlander fan retreat. Mm. Five hundred people. That's a hundred and fifty bones. Um. I got to know what the, I'm clicking this link. Outlander fan retreat. <laughs> what does that include? I want to know. Yeah, well, it's saucy, so, um, you know, I don't <laughs> know. Uh, I think this is very smart myself. Yeah. Again, it, you don't, it, no one's putting a gun to your head. You don't mm-hmm. have to pay it. It's a fancy night out for fans of this author. Um, if you were going to see one of your favorite bands, you could easily pay this much. Um, oh, yeah. And that's just sitting in a bucket seat um, with nothing but $8 beers in front of you. Um, I think this is really interesting. I I guess it, they must make enough money off it either A, 
to pay for it or like do you think Random House is seeing a profit off of this in the grand scheme of things? I don't think so. I mean, well, their PR people are kind of framing it. I guess we're a, talking about it. Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's not, it seems like they're framing it not as a way to profit, but just as a way to I don't know, a new way to do publicity, I guess. I guess so. So they can't be making, well, I don't know, 500 people at 500 people at 100 bucks. It's not I mean, that's not nothing. Yeah. Uh, it's 50 grand, right? If my math my math is correct. I wonder how much of that if any of it goes to the author. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I mean, it could be that the price I mean, it's going to help cover the cost, but it also keeps it from just being a one 1,500-person signing line. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. what you've seen, Hillary Clinton's been on tour, and she's just getting mobbed everywhere, and she's signing books, and it's the line is 1,500 people long. Well, maybe it's just to have a different kind of event with a big-name author, you need some sort of way of, I don't know, disincentivizing people to go, and maybe that's just charging something for it. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they hope to get out of it. I guess if she was getting a cut, that might make sense. I mean, I wonder, do you think Good Housekeeping paid Random House? Mm. Or is like there's some kind of income, like the Talbots paid to be part of it? I just, I, I, don't, I wonder how this is organized. Well, I'm, yeah, I mean, it's just so well branded. Like Talbots is the perfect like clothing producer. Can you describe to me why? Like I grok, like I feel <laughs> why it is, but like why is it? Well, I mean, when I, okay, this might be unfair, but when I imagine a fan of Jodi Picou, I think oh, of like Oh, this a, is going to be good. I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm making. <laughs> okay. I think not my mom, but like maybe somebody 10 years younger than my mom. Okay. So like. Since we all know how old your mom is. 40. Would, okay, I would say uh, like, 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 a, so okay. like a 40 year old woman. Yes. Okay. Um, Would be her kind of, Readership, and mm-hmm. that's also the people who shop at Talbots. Okay, like upper middle class to upper class. Gotcha, right? Suburban, you know. Right. Um, so it's just well. So I can imagine Random House asking them to do it, and I can also imagine Talbots asking to be involved. Like either yeah. way. I just wonder why. Why get good house? Like, what does good housekeeping get Random House? Uh, I mean, maybe they get some sort of. It's the the good housekeeping dessert bar. Hmm. Yeah, I was thinking maybe the food was provided. I don't know. They would just have to sell magazine subscriptions while you're there. I have no yeah. idea. It's kind of a weird. Uh, it's interesting. I'd like to see the ledger, like where the money was going from and to uh, between all of these brands. I can't. I, well, I'm let's sh- just call the folks who know what Random House. Yeah, I know. To take we a should, peek. I'm sure Talbot's paid to be there. That that must be it. They, Random House didn't pay Talbot's to come put on a fashion show. Um, mm. Anyway, I. So I think, you know, there's, I think this is maybe kind of a way of the future thing. Um, Maybe not at this scale, but $10 cover charge to go to the bar to hang out with Joe Hill, something like that. We've done that. When I was a bookseller, we did stuff like that. You did stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. For a a big name, because the store was so small, for a big name, we would sell tickets. Mm -hmm. Or... Hat or go off-site and host it at a restaurant yeah. or some other venue and sell tickets right. that way. John Green and Neil Gaiman have been doing stuff like this um, on a large. I mean, you know, John Green's traveling roadshow is like a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but like, I think there's there's probably a lot more authors that publicized correctly and programmed correctly could do little tours. Like people have always said, you can't charge for readings. Well, I agree because no one wants to go to readings. But if it's like I don't know. I'm trying to think of like Joe Hill had like 
I'm using him because he's down to earth and people like him and he has multiple interests. Like if there were like a comics thing going on at the same time and maybe like a movie screening with a Q&A mm. uh, and whatever kind of food he likes and a beer taste, like, I don't know, just sort of whatever the, the Joe Hill demographic would be. Um, and you get a book and some buzz and there's an interview and it's it's kind of a big thing. I went to one. I went to a Lydia Nutzer uh, mm-hmm. had an event at Fountain, the bookstore that I used to work at. This was after I'd stopped working there. Right. It was at a wine bar. Oh. And so I paid like $15 and I got two glasses of wine and some appetizers. And Lydia talked about her new book and she answered questions. And then you um, signed stuff. And, you know, we just kind of hung out and mingled. And Like how many people were there? I'm super interested in this. Oh, I don't. Ooh. Maybe 25. Okay. It wasn't that big because it was a small little wine bar in Carytown, which is like the tiniest of little areas in Richmond. But, okay. um, but it was a good time. Like, I don't like going to readings. And sure. nobody, nobody read anything. <laughs> but she's, she's the sort of author who can carry that sort of event because she's, she's funny, you know. Right. Not and every so, author can do it. I think that's, right. that's fair yeah. to say, yeah. But just sitting back with an author whose work I really like and having some booze and chit-chatting and eating finger foods was a good time. I would totally do it again. It sounds like a good time. Um, if you out there have uh, been to some sort of paid author event that's not just a signing where it's like paid towards the book or something like that, um, and it was great or it was terrible. Actually, if it's terrible, even better. Mm. Uh, <laughs> give, give us an email, podcast at bookriot.com. Okay, so oh, we have to end on this, really? Uh-huh. I want to end on the author tour. Uh, anyway, so you say his name. You say it. Why are you making me say I have been so bad at all of these well, words Well, we can today. do that together. All right, it's Chuck Palahniuk, right? Yeah, I think it's Palahniuk, but I've got, or Palahniuk, I've heard too. I think it's Palahniuk. I don't know, Palahniuk. Um, if we say of, this wrong, uh, just, the, uh, you know, yell at us uh, on Twitter. Getting, yeah, it's... email Amanda at Amanda <laughs> at IDontCare.org. Um, it's a functioning address. <laughs> uh, the author of Fight Club, he's out there promoting a novel, Beautiful You, and a Fight Club 2 graphic novel, um, is now on Tumblr. And basically someone wrote in to say, you know, uh, I work at the University Bookstore, and every semester one of the professors teaches Fight Club, and it's so exciting to see boxes of it come in, and rather disappointed people, and, and I'm rather disappointed to see people return it um, after the semester's over. Um, so they're asking, like, how do you feel about your work, work being, being taught? taught yeah, I was trying to be like, where are we going with this? I was trying to skip. <laughs> and he said, "This here's, here's Chuck verbatim. The fact that Fight Club is being taught seems to me to underscore the dearth of novels that explore male issues. The uh. past years have given us so many books. And look at, listen to these timely um, contemporary examples he picks. The Color Purple, which is, what, 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Joy Luck Club, which is, like, 89. And How to Make an American Quilt, which is like 1988. So forget about that. Which depict women in groups and relationships, but almost no books depicting social models for men. That's my two cents worth. Well, uh-huh. let's, let's, I, I, where do you want to go with this? There's a lot of ways you could go. I mean, is it just he's a jerk and where he just doesn't get it? Uh, I don't know. Or not, okay. He may not be a jerk. That's, that's maybe not I don't fair. think he's a jerk. I think, uh, Oh, how to be diplomatic yeah. about that. Uh, so I went onto his website, and he's got he's got a page on his website where he's recommending books, and there are a lot by women on mm-hmm. there, and women who are not who were not writing in the eighties, mm-hmm. like who are currently publishing now. So I don't know why he's picking these particular examples when he obviously reads yeah, contemporary right. uh, women, but 
The idea that he seems to honestly think that there are no novels that explore male issues is the most ridiculous thing <laughs> I've ever heard an author say, maybe ever. Yeah, and that Fight Club is also depicting social models for men. I mean, I guess Thank it, you. I mean, I guess that it is in this way that anything that has men in it is depicting social models for men. But like, Fight Club is a cautionary. I mean, maybe maybe we're into interpretation. No, but like, no, I don't. Anyone reads like, you know what? This book is saying I should be like this. I think that's absurd. Yeah. Um, what's in, the interesting thing to me is someone says, "How do you feel about your works being taught?" And he reads that is, why is my work being taught? Yeah. And you could go a million ways. It could be about consumerism. It could be about violence. It could be about mental health. It could be about, you know, like any, any number of these things. And he picks out that it's, there's not enough stuff for dudes out there. That just seems so, it's like a Rorschach test <laughs> where he's given like a blank <laughs> canvas and he just like vomits his own bias all over it. Um, and, well, having taken English classes in college, I think I can safely say that there are plenty of works about male social models. Yeah, I don't even think we even have to. Like do we even have to entertain the no, possibility it's patently, right? it's yeah, patently I don't, ridiculous. I can't even really get my head around that. Um, not to say that Fight Club isn't extraordinary in its representation of male relationships. I think that might be fair. I certainly haven't seen a, a – I've read the book and seen the movie, and they're actually pretty close. Um that's a particular relationship I don't know that I've seen before, but that's not to say there aren't scores and scores of books about dudes. Well, it gets kind of worse. So, what? Like, if you... It gets worse. Somebody else asked him another question. Thank you for standing up for male writers, a desperately marginalized group, was yeah, the question. Right. Okay. Was that satirical? <laughs> it's hard to... I can't... I don't... No, I don't think so. Wasn't I think it a his satirical thought are, like Comic Sans or something like that? Uh, <laughs> and then his answer is... Consider that reading has become a mostly female pastime <laughs> and that males are being better served by other media, the web, film, and gaming. I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. I am, uh, statistically, most women, uh, most readers are women, but it's like, it's like 60, it's like 58, 42. I mean, it's not, it's not like if you find a dude reading, you've got to tag him and bag him for future study or anything like that. Let's not get crazy. Chuck needs to read some Vita count numbers. Yeah, he, he definitely <laughs> does. Because then he says, of course, publishers will skew towards the most profitable audience. So he thinks that publishers are intentionally ignoring men to publish women because women buy more books, which is the, which is just idiotic. It's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just so it's factually just, just inaccurate. Exactly, yeah. We need to, we do need to get him in a room with Vita for like, just like <laughs> 20 minutes and let him, let him work him over a little bit. Um, you know, that's a really good transition to new books because <laughs> the first one on our list, yeah. uh, you, you're, this is on, this is on your, this is on your uh, docket. So you, you take this one. All right. Bad feminist. <laughs> <laughs> well time. Bad feminist by Roxanne Gay came out on uh, Tuesday from Harper Perennial. This is a great collection of essays by Roxanne Gay, who you should be following on the internet. You absolutely of- should. R Gay on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> and she's on Tumblr too. I think her Tumblr is called uh, Roxanne with one N or, or something like oh, that. Oh, okay. It is Roxanne with one N, her name. So Her name be. is Roxanne with one N. Um, so this collection of essays is just like it sounds like. It's about uh, what it's like to be a feminist and how 
there's really no such thing as a good feminist where all feminists are human and, you know, flawed and have their own biases and all that. But it's not just about feminism. The essays also explore, like, race. Like, she's got a great essay about the racial issues in Orange is the New Black and how maybe we've been championing the fact that that's a diverse show a little too loudly mm. for reasons that she goes into in the book. Um and she talks about, like, Trayvon Martin. And there, it's just a really thoughtful, thought-provoking, really important, but very slight, so easy to get through, um, collection of essays. Accessible, totally. fun, thoughtful, sharp. Please follow her on Twitter. She live tweets Ina Garden's cooking show. And yeah, I just... in the middle of the afternoon, right? like 3 o'clock in the afternoon most days, and she's talking about waffles and cold butter. It's, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, yeah, that one I will be reading at some point in the near future. I've, I've read several of her essays. I think a lot of them are flowing around the internet right now if you want to get a preview of that. Some of the excerpts are... Um, as she's doing her publicity for the book, are out there. She's really fantastic. Uh, the big sort of... I guess probably the the most notable book in terms of people waiting for it this month is The Magician's Land by Lev Grossman, the third and final book in, are we just calling it The Magician's Trilogy? I've just been, yeah, that's what I've been saying. Um, therefore, it's true. <laughs> there, therefore, it is true. Um, and it is, it's kind of, it, it's it's the, the easy, attractive marketing pitch is that it's Harry Potter for adults. Um, and for the people we know that have followed the series to the end, apparently Grossman sticks the landing. Um, I think I'm going to maybe read this. I've got a couple of plane rides coming up, and I'm looking for something to to rip through. And I, I might I may take this on to three books: um, the Magicians, the Magician King, and the Magician's Land. I believe are all three of them, mm-hmm. um, and that is out this week. So check that out if you're into. Uh, my my understanding is if that you're a Narnia a Narnia Potter kind of nerd adult person, um, you should at least try this. And the first one apparently is pretty bleak. Um, and maybe the second one even too, but the third one apparently um, rounds it out nicely. So I find that interesting. <laughs> the last one is Whiskey Tango Foxtrot by David Schaefer, which came out this week. Um, and I mention it because it, it sounds it not only sounds interesting, but it got a really it got a unbelievable blurb in the New York Times saying it's probably the book of the year. And a lot of people I've been seeing writing and talking about it. I'm going to do a horrible job of explaining it, so I'm, I'm not going to try to do too much, but it's kind of in the... It, it's a dystopian world. I know you're going to be... Everyone's going to be shocked that there's a book about a dystopia, <laughs> but it, it's more of a literary fiction bent, and it's about kind of a digital underground movement that's fighting against big corporation, big data, big brother, government, whatever. Um, and it's about, it's about the ideas about what we want out of privacy and technology and information and connection and order and chaos. Um, and it's supposed to be very inventive and um, thought-provoking. And the, the, the um, title, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, is a military call sign uh, for WTF. So <laughs> that, I think that, that might give you some indication of kind of where uh, David Schaefer is coming from. And that's out this week. From Mulholland Books. I'm slow on the uptake there. Well, it's it's not super obvious, but... Um, <laughs> that's funny. That is pretty fun. Well that's done, fun. David Schaefer. Well, well done. Uh, and that's our show for this week. As always, you can shoot us an email, podcast at bookriot.com. You can find the show notes where we link to the books we just talked about and all of the links we talked about. Uh, you can leave us... Uh, that's at 
bookriot.com slash podcast. You can leave us a review on iTunes if you would like. You can follow me on Twitter if you would like, at Reading Ape. You can follow Amanda at Twitter at I'm Amanda Nelson. Amanda and I used to have about the same number of Twitter followers like mm-hmm. two years ago, and you've just shot past me. It really shows that if you're smart and funny, you can get somewhere in this life. I really should try that sometime. <laughs> um, but she's great on Twitter as well. Rebecca will be back next week. Um, and I think that's... Oh, thank you so much for Squarespace. And go to squarespace.com for a free trial and 10% off. Use offer code POETRY. And thanks so much to Random House Audiobooks uh, for sponsoring the show. Go to tryaudiobooks.com. And seriously, do what their domain name says. Try audiobooks. I don't... If you're listening to the podcast and you haven't tried an audiobook, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Go try an audiobook. You're going you're gonna to enjoy it. Um, and we'll be back next week. Thanks so much, Amanda. We'll talk to you later. Bye.